Eight Biters, welcome. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Audio Tidbits. Gus and I have two tidbits for you that I think you will want to take a couple of minutes to consider. Neither is earth-shattering, but both make a point that it never hurts being reminded about. We flipped and Gus won the chance to go first. Of course, after we each have it our turn, we include a tune from Kevin that we think you will enjoy. With that said, here's Gus, followed by me again. Thanks, Gary. I call this sticky problems. Here we go. To be sure we both know what I'm thinking about, a sticky problem is a situation or issue that keeps hanging around despite our efforts to fix it or to make it go away. Let me share an example. My parents lived in a manufactured home onto which they had added an extra room. The roof leaked in that extra room whenever it rained really hard. My dad had someone fix the roof, but a few months later, the leak was back. He had the roofer come back and repair the leak. It was fine for a few months but the leak returned. He had the roofer come back again and repair the leak. This fix-it process repeated two more times. He was talking with a friend about his leaking roof. The friend said, I'll bet I know what's wrong. Just patching the roof won't work. The friend went on to suggest a solution that seemed silly to dad, but the friend offered to fix it and only charge if his solution worked. The friend came over and it only took him 20 minutes to apply his fix. My parents lived in that house for many more years with no leaks. When I asked, dad said he didn't understand what his friend had done or exactly why it worked, did know that the friend refused any payment and staying dry was good enough for him. A sticky problem is anything that needs a solution that doesn't respond to your efforts to fix it or correct it and gets more annoying or frustrating as time passes. Your teenager not cleaning his room or not doing her homework, a team member not doing his or her share, recurring arguments about trivial issues, or any other problem or issue that persists and what you are doing to fix it isn't working are all examples of sticky problems. Here's what usually happens. We try to solve the problem with no success. We try again and again, getting more and more frustrated. What we are doing just isn't working but we keep trying, using the same approach, the same solution strategy. The change is that we escalate the intensity of our effort, especially if the problem is with another person. The result is that the fallout from our failing efforts is frequently worse than the problem. Nonetheless, we persist. What to do is not easy to figure out, but there is always one thing we can do and usually should do. Unless the problem is causing real and permanent damage or harm like dad's leaking roof, don't do anything, including stopping whatever you have been trying to fix the problem. But you have to do something. No, you don't. At least you don't have to do anything until you come up with a different and better way to work on the problem or issue. Just give it a rest and then keep giving it a rest for a couple of weeks. Sometimes the problem or issue just goes away by itself given a chance and if not, you are likely to figure out a better and more effective way to deal with it. If the problem is still there and you don't have an answer, you are no worse off since what you were doing wasn't helping anyway. Hey guys, slow up there. I'll bet you're about to turn it back to Gary. I'm thinking that you and Gary are having all the fun, just leaving me out. Just kidding. Even so, I'm hopping in here to take a turn. I call my little thought, Kid Spice.
hey there, Heather. I didn't know you were even here and don't think Gary did either. Please do hop in. It's always a treat to hear from you. Just hop away. Here you go. Thanks. What if I were to tell you that your location within one meter was being tracked while you are at work or perhaps while you are at most any public location? What if I further told you that there was no way for you to opt out of being tracked? Finally, what if I told you that you were being tracked for your safety and for the safety of everyone around you? In addition, I offered no evidence to support the notion that this tracking actually made you or anyone else safer. Would you think the tracking was a good idea and something that you would welcome? I doubt that you would and neither would I. As objectionable as such tracking would be for us, it is real and in place for many American children in our schools. These young people are being subjected to such tracking and are being conditioned from the age of 5 or 6 to see being tracked as normal and to be expected. For those children, the notion of personal privacy is being undermined and the idea of cameras and other technology being used to know where they are at all times is being normalized. The tracking is managed by the radio signals from their cell phones, and if they don't have a cell phone, they are required to wear a wristband that serves the same purpose. Cameras supplement the radio signals. You don't think anything like this is happening in schools in your community. You may be right, but then again, you may be wrong. The practice is present in many schools today and the number is increasing. My only point is this. Unless you think that you're being tracked with records of where you are and where you have been along with how long you were there is perfectly acceptable. Subjecting children to the kids' spies is not acceptable either. That's it. Thanks Gus for letting me hop in. That makes it your turn Gary my friend. Thanks Heather. I'm glad you hopped in. You've served up some tasty food for thought. I haven't given this a title or anything but I do think it's a thought worth thinking. Please give it a few minutes to see if you agree. Okay, here we go. Most people have become convinced that vanity is a bad quality to have. In fact, it may actually be a cardinal vice which makes it more than bad. It's terrible. If one explores this negative pronouncement in more depth though, it ain't necessarily so. For example, Lord Chesterfield said, to this principle of vanity, which philosophers call a mean one, and which I do not, I owe a great part of the figure which I have made in life. There you go. Chesterfield thought vanity was one of the keys to his success. It may be that vanity is little more than one of those things that is just going around. If so, even you may have a little yourself. As Blaise Pascal suggested, vanity is so secure in the heart of man that everyone wants to be admired. Even I who write this, and you will read this. No less an icon than Mark Twain said, there are no grades of vanity, there are only grades of ability and concealing it, and there is no end to how clever people can be when concealing it. To illustrate, Louis Cronenberger suggested this strategy, nothing so soothes our vanity as a display of greater vanity in others. It makes us vain, in fact, of our modesty, so if you are uncomfortable with vanity, Substitute modesty about being not so vain as some people you know. Just be sure to cleverly conceal it. Francois de la Roquefoucauld is another one of the folks who got it. 
What makes the vanity of others insupportable is that it wounds our own. Benjamin Franklin got it too. Most people dislike vanity in others, whatever share they have of it themselves. But I give it fair quarter, wherever I meet with it, being persuaded that it is often productive of good to the possessor, and to others who are within his sphere of action. And therefore, in many cases, it would not be altogether absurd if a man were to thank God for his vanity among the other comforts of life. Antonio Portia also understood, although he did slip in, ridiculous, probably as a minor concession to the vanity police, without this ridiculous vanity that takes the form of self-display, and is part of everything and everyone, we would see nothing, and nothing would exist. Fortunately, there is a much better approach. You can simply reconceptualize. What folks refer to in you as vanity isn't vanity at all. Rather, it's merely a reflection of your positive self-perception. It's what the psychologists call a good self-image. If someone accuses you of vanity, just smile and say, I'm not a giant or a meek little lamb. I am me, that's who I am. I'm taller than a cat and shorter than a tree. I'm the very best me you'll ever see. I like to laugh. I like to smile. I like to daydream once in a while. I'm extra special but I'm still just me. I'm the very best me I know how to be. I always try to do my best. I'm good at a lot of things and getting better at the rest. Here's the truth for everyone to see. It's totally terrific being me. I could tell you more stuff about who I am. I like spaghetti and strawberry jam. Here at last is the most spectacular part. I'm extra special because I'm so smart. Now you know so there you go. As promised. Here's some real enjoyment from Kevin to take us out.
Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for spending some time with us. We'll be back soon. For now, though, be well, do well, and take a minute to do something nice for someone. They will appreciate it, and you will feel better for having done it.